This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 670. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 670. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. Ooh, I'm excited to dig into this episode. So if you follow me on social media or on Instagram, primarily, actually only in my Instagram stories is the only place I've talked about this, I think. I am coming out of triathlon retirement. So a lifetime ago, like 18 years ago, I did triathlons all the time. I was actually pretty good at them. And I've talked about that from time to time on the show. It was a really it was a really formative season of my life to do triathlons. I did my first triathlon like kicking and screaming, a bunch of my friends were going to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do this, but I didn't want to miss out on it. And at the time I was only a runner. So I had to kind of learn and train how to swim in open water, which is very different than swimming in a pool. And then also how to like ride my bike for distances, (laughs) having not really been on a bike since my childhood. And it was a really huge learning curve. And then as I got into it and trained for my first one, I really actually enjoyed the training. I really enjoyed my first race and I kept going and I did a lot of triathlons over the course of a handful of years. And I did fairly well, even got a few trophies. I didn't like, Vinny always wants to know like, what trophies did you get? I didn't like win any triathlons, but I did place in my age group on multiple occasions. So that was a long time ago. That was in my 
early to mid 20s, I tried to look online at like old race results to figure out when my last triathlon was. And it was like 17 or 18 years ago from my best Google estimation. <laughs> Um, it was like before race results. It was almost before the internet. Like race results were like barely maintained online at that time. So it's a little tricky to find things. But I did triathlons and really loved it. And after a couple seasons out of the sport, I really didn't turn back. I didn't have any desire to go back. I didn't have any desire to do them again. And then Last summer, my neighbor did a triathlon. And when he was training, I was like, hey, if you want anyone to like go down and do an open water swim with you, I would do that. And he had never done an open water swim. He hadn't really done much swimming at all. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go down to Green Lake, this lake that we live near. I'll go down to Green Lake with you. We can go for a swim. I'll give you some like tips on open water swimming because it's can be kind of a beast if you've never done it before. And we did it. We went one time and I had so much fun. It just felt so good to be back in the water. And I had this moment of like, huh, maybe I could do a triathlon again. And from there, it was just in the back of my mind. And then I started to think as I was riding my Peloton over the course of the winter, like, hmm, I mean, I do pretty well riding my Peloton. Maybe I could ride my bike again outside. My bike that I have not been on in like 17 or 18 years that is in my garage completely falling apart, like rusting with cracked tires. And my husband is constantly like, do we really still need this race bike? So I continued thinking about whether or not I wanted to do that or thinking that maybe someday I would do this. And then as we got into the summer, I was like, okay, probably not this summer, but maybe next summer. I really hadn't done anything to prepare for it in any sort of like disciplined way. And I felt like I needed to be a little bit disciplined if I was going to take on this feat. And then I said something to a friend of mine, Natalie, and she was like, I'm in. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and so what started out as like maybe 2023, like fun goal quickly became a how about 2022? And so I'm doing a triathlon on September 3rd. And I've been training for it. And my training, it's been really interesting. because it's so different than I trained years ago before I had any other life commitments, um, or very few other life commitments. So it's been a really enjoyable experience. And I'm being like, I'm taking this all very lightly. I'm not being hard on myself. I'm not being super competitive with myself, which is all very different than how I handled it in my very, in my early to mid 20s, when I was very extremely type A and motivated by metrics and let metrics determine whether or not something could be successful in my life. I've grown a lot since then. So I'm able to accept success can look like a lot of different things. And it's not going to be around metrics for this race. But what I've been thinking about and what I want to talk to you all about today is that when people make decisions to do big things, what ends up happening is people make decisions to do something big. And the, behind the scenes, there's all sorts of things that happen. There's thinking through, should I do this or not? Am I qualified? Am I ready? Am I worthy? Do I have what it takes? There's just this like massive mental gymnastics, typically, well before we ever tell anyone about the thing we're thinking about doing. So that starts. Then we might tell a couple people we're going to do something and we get started in the process. And we might have a couple people who are cheering for us. But what ultimately happens is when we cross a finish line is when the masses see that we have done something. And that's where people are like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. 
oh my gosh, congratulations. Like you did this cool thing, whether it's getting a promotion or having a baby or buying your first home or getting married or writing a book or starting a business or going back to school or any of these things. We always get the celebration and the congratulations when we cross the finish line, when it's like, you're done, you did it. And that's when you get all the recognition and all the accolades. And of course, that's awesome. And that's really exciting. But something I've been thinking about is that I'm sure when I finish this race on September 3rd, and I feel pretty confident that I can finish it, I mean, it's going to be real slow and it's not going to be cute, but I feel pretty confident I can finish it, that I'm pretty confident that when I share about it on social media, that people are going to be really generous with their praise and like, oh my gosh, that's great and congratulations and you're awesome and those kinds of things, which are all really nice. And I will be very excited to get that praise. Like I will have definitely felt like I earned it, but what we don't get in our life is we don't get the cheers at the start line. And getting to the start line is actually harder in many, if not most, if not all, instances than getting across the finish line. And nobody acknowledges you for getting to the start line. But getting to that start line, that's where you have to show up really vulnerably. That's where you have to show up in like self-doubt and fear. That's where you show up just questioning like, do I deserve to be here? And what if I can't do it? And am I really ready? There's so much that comes with getting to a start line and nobody talks about that. And that's what I wanna talk about today because I know that this is something that is relevant to everyone listening, whether or not you've ever done a triathlon or ever wanna do a triathlon. This is really relevant to a lot of life circumstances where we cross a finish line and we get celebrated. But what about all the things that we've done to get ourselves to stand at a start line and say, I'm going to try something? This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. 
This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So I want you to think about what it has taken for you to just step up to different start lines in your life. I don't care if you ever got to any of the finish lines. I'm sure I know that you got to some of them. Maybe some of them you didn't. That's not what we're here to talk about. I just want you to think about what it took for you to get to the start line. I know for us, getting to the start line of having a family was a huge deal because getting to the start line, like the beginning of a pregnancy, for us was years of infertility before we got to the start line. So when we got to that finish line, of course, we have this beautiful new baby, little baby Vinny in my arms, and it was such a obviously hugely exciting season in our life. But there was no acknowledgement of like what it took to get to the start line for that. And that's true, no matter, regardless of whether or not you went through infertility, like anyone who got to the start line of becoming a parent, there's so much that goes into that, where you think through like, is this the right time? Can we do this? How are we going to do this? Do we have the right support in place? Do we have the financial means in place? Do we have the... Do am I, is our relationship healthy enough to sustain building, adding more people to this crew? All these different things that we think about when we're thinking about building a family. Or maybe you decided to work toward a promotion. And when you land a promotion, there's lots of celebration, right? But what did it take for you to get to the start line, to put yourself up for the promotion, to throw your name in the ring, to say, hey, I really want this. Someone really close to me right now is positioning themselves for a promotion. And it's been really awesome to see the way that they're going about it. And I'm like, this is going to be so cool when this works out because I feel really confident that it will. But I'm watching the way that they're thoughtfully, strategically, and really not just thoughtfully, strategically positioning themselves for the promotion, but also really courageously and bravely saying like, I'm ready for this and I'm really qualified and here's why you need me. And what what can I do to make this happen? How can you and I work together? They're positioning themselves to a specific person in an organization saying like, what can I do to, to make sure that I am the best candidate for this? And that takes a lot of bravery and that takes a lot of courage. Maybe for you, it's going back to school. Maybe you decided to go back to school at some point in your life. I'm thinking of a really good friend of mine a number of years after we graduated from college, decided to go back to school and get her master's. And I remember her being really nervous about that. But 
by the time she got into the program and like started doing it, she was like, this isn't even the hard part. It was like finding the program, making sure my family was on board, find, figuring out the childcare piece, like getting the money and the funding, getting accepted to the program, getting letters of recommendation for like all these different things, getting to that start line to just start her master's program was so massive that while being in the program for a couple of years was really hard <laughs> for sure, it was actually less daunting for her than just the process of getting back in school and getting started. Maybe for you, it's starting a business. So when we celebrate hitting milestones in businesses over the years, those can be really oftentimes um, publicly celebrated. But the courage to start a business, the courage to figure out like, how do I get a business license? And am I going to quit one job in order to start my own thing? Or how do I get my very first customer? Or is anyone going to actually pay me money for my service or for my goods or for my talent or whatever the case may be? So there's so many instances where getting to the start line is really the scary part. I know for me, with racing and with different athletic endeavors, and this was with skiing too, there were a lot of accomplishments that, that were have been celebrated, especially with the advent of social media, where I can share things online. There's been so many instances where people are like, congratulations, you did it. You did your first black diamond, or you did your a half marathon after you had Vinny and really cool, exciting things. But oh my gosh, like it wasn't while doing my first black diamond was absolutely terrifying. The decision to get myself on skis at age 42 that was actually more daunting. That was like, holy cow, like, is this even possible? I really didn't know. When I did my first half marathon after Vinny was born, I remember like the race itself was just the icing on the cake. And all I visualized when I was training for it was meeting, having seen him and Vince at the 10 mile marker. I knew it was a race I'd done many times before prior to having him. And I knew exactly where I wanted them to stand. And I remember just thinking like race day isn't the hard day. Race day is the fun day. Race day is the day that I finally get to see someone I know and love out on a long run and like give them a hug and get a picture with them, and like all that. And I remember that day so clearly. And we have a picture of me holding Vinny at mile 10 and then at the finish line. And it wasn't that half marathon when Vinny was a year old that was hard. It was putting on my shoes again and committing to running when my bladder was broken and I was running so slow and I felt like my body was just like not my own. I had been nursing for a long time, which was a disaster. Just like, I just felt like not my former self. And I still was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to get to race day and getting to that start line on race day took so much out of me. Also, it was completely worth it, but it was really, really hard. And I'm feeling that now as I've gotten ready for this triathlon to get to the start line. Oh my goodness. Like I'll give you a quick synopsis of not having done this in so long. I have all this gear because when I was in my twenties and didn't have anything to spend money on, I bought triathlon gear. Cause that's what 20 year olds and who do triathlons do. Like we're really dorky, geeky people who spend a lot of money on like wetsuits. <laughs> and so I have like multiple really nice wetsuits and I had to go into the garage and dig out my wetsuits a couple weeks ago and be like, okay, do these fit? Spoiler alert, they don't. <laughs> I tried, I had two wetsuits of two different sizes and I tried on the bigger one and went down and swam in it down at Green Lake by our house. And oh my God, I could not take a full breath because this wetsuit was so tight. So I was like, okay, like there is some data collection. I'm going to need to buy a new wetsuit. And then I got my bike out of the garage and I took it to the bike shop and shout out to Greg's Green Lake Cycle. And I take my bike into the bike shop and I'm like embarrassed to take my bike in because there's literally cobwebs all over it. And the tires are completely flat. I have no idea if the gears work at all. 
it still has like a race number on it from like literally 17, 18 years ago. And I walk in and I'm like, are they just going to like look at me and laugh and be like, what is this woman doing with her vintage Cannondale? And they were so nice. And I went in, I was like, okay, my bike has seen better days. I used to use it for triathlons. I want to get back into triathlons. Like, what do I need to do to get this bike up to speed? And the guy who was like, I don't know, 21 and a half was so nice. And he was like, okay, so here's what you're going to need. And then he listed like 18 things that my bike would need. And then he's like, to be honest, it might be the same price to just buy a new bike. And so we did talk about that for a minute. And I finally, it was kind of going to be a wash at the end of the day. I would maybe save a little money on refurbishing, like getting all new stuff on my current bike. But I was like, I kind of want the same bike. Like that feels good to me. And so I'm keeping my same bike. I'm actually going to go pick it up today in like an hour. I'm going to go pick it up. They've been working on it. The shop has had it for like three weeks. They haven't, it hasn't required that much work, but the shop was a little backed up. And so they've had it for like three weeks now. I'm going to pick it up. And it literally like everything on my bike, except for the frame is new. And they even called me yesterday and they were like, so we're going to need to put like new tape on the handlebars because your tape's like rotting off. <laughs> so everything is going to be brand new on my bike. But it was nerve wracking to like go dig my bike out of the garage and then take it in and like getting into the water for the first time and trying on my wetsuit, getting going running. I hadn't been running really at all since last summer because of stuff going on with my knees and my back. And I'm back up to I can run 30 minutes without stopping. And a few weeks ago, that was really, really hard. And I did it this morning and I felt good the whole time. And I was like, oh, this is such a big win. So I'm systematically checking off like one little thing at a time as I prepare for this triathlon. And I keep thinking like, these are just all the things to get to the start line. This isn't the stuff people are going to congratulate me for. No one's going to congratulate me for like getting out your dusty wetsuit and putting it on to see if it still fits and then learning that it doesn't and you absolutely cannot breathe in it. And you're gagging on lake water in Green Lake because your wetsuit's too tight, which happened a couple weeks ago. No one's going to congratulate you for that. No one sees that stuff. There's so many little things that happen when we are approaching a start line that no one ever sees. And these are the things that make us stronger. And these are the things that allow us to get to the finish line. And these are the things that make that finish line so meaningful to us. And while it looks like a shiny picture or a shiny moment for people on the outside, when you put all that work into getting to a start line, The race itself, whether the race is launching the business, starting the podcast, writing the book, going for the promotion, doing an actual race, like whatever the thing is, that piece of the journey is actually not the hardest part when you've done all this work to get to the start line, when you've done all this work in isolation, oftentimes, and you've done it a lot of times surrounded by self-doubt with maybe a lack of self-trust, with maybe a lot of questions around your own sense of worthiness and your qualifications, and maybe not a lot, if any, public support or private support. There's so many times that we decide to try things and we don't talk about them until we get to a certain point. And to carry that the entire time is so much. And we don't honor that. And I know the first time when we were trying to get pregnant the first time, and I didn't talk about our journey around infertility until we were actually pregnant with Vinny. And to go that alone for two years, really with only my husband and I knowing what was going on, a couple close friends, like literally a couple, very few people knew what we were going through. And most of them did not know the whole time what we were going through. And to be in that vacuum for so long, it really builds your 
strength and your grit and your tenacity. And it really calls into question, like, who are you? Who do you want to be? Who are you becoming? What are your values? How do you want to show up on any given day? How do you show up when things get really hard, when things get scary, when things get messy, when things feel just desperate, when you don't know what your options are? And this is what I want you to really walk away with today is all those pieces that you take to that start line and how that really defines who you are. Crossing a finish line does not define who you are. It's getting to the start line. When I was training for my marathon, I did one marathon. It was awful. I hated it. And I did really well with my training for it, but it was really long and really hard. And I did it all alone except for one run, my 22 mile run. My friends, Katie and Mackenzie, shout out Katie and Mackenzie, ran the last six miles with me, I believe, which was amazing and so much fun. But the race itself, I did not enjoy. And I knew from like mile two, I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is not my jam to run 26.2 miles without stopping. But the hardest part of running a marathon for me was my 18 mile training run. My 18 mile training run was a super dark, wet, gray day in Seattle. And I was really struggling with getting myself out the door to do this run. I knew I had to run 18 miles. I knew it had to happen that day because of my work schedule. It was really the only day in that week that I could do it. And it had to happen that week for me to stay on my training schedule. And I was waiting in my apartment for the rain to let up. And I was just getting more and more anxious. I had never run 18 miles before. And I was like panicking about how I was going to do this in these horrible conditions, like pouring Seattle sideways rain on the grayest day you could imagine. And so what I decided was... I'm going to go run around Lake Union three times. Lake Union is a lake in Seattle that's six miles around. And I was like, I'm going to go run around it six or three times. And that way I can put food in my car and Gatorade in my car. And I can stop at my car as like a pit stop on each lap. And for me, that mentally felt like a doable way to break up this really daunting task. So I drive my car down to Lake Union, which is really close to my house. So I drive my car just down the street, park my car where I'm like, okay, this will be a great place for me to like stop and get like some little bites of snacks and some drinks when I every six miles or so. And I do the first lap around the lake, six miles in the rain. And I was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. And then I do the second lap and I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Like I'm cold. I'm soaking wet. There's no clothes that I could put on that would not just immediately soak through. I only have one pair of running shoes and they're soaked through and I just have to keep them on my feet. And so the second lap around, I was like, holy cow, this is horrible. And I still have to do it one more time, which was so completely mentally overwhelming. And the third lap around, I just cried like the whole time. I just cried and cried and cried as I plotted my way, like slow trot around this lake. It was horrible. It was awful. It was so much harder than the actual marathon. And when I got to the start line of the marathon on race day, I kept thinking about that day. And I was like, oh my God, like I've already done the hard part. Getting to the start line, getting that 18 miler done, which was way harder than my 22 mile training run. I was like, that's the hard part. Nobody was there to see it. Nobody was there to take pictures. Nobody was there to congratulate me. Like nobody was like, yeah, you're awesome. I literally like did this awful run in the rain, crying half the time and went home to my apartment and like probably ate. I pro- What did I eat? I probably ate a frozen pizza and passed out on the couch. Like I'm sure it was very uneventful. So Those are the things that happen while we're on our way to the start line is these like awful 
moments where our like characters called into question and we're like, who am I? I don't even, I, I don't think I can do this. Who am I to think I can? This is for someone else. We have these moments that are just, we have to dig so incredibly deep and no one's there to see it. And those are those really character defining moments that no one sees prior to us getting to that star line. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. I want you to think about what you have done to get to start lines in your life and what that is required of you. And maybe where you haven't honored that for yourself. Maybe where you haven't honored those pieces that have been the things that have built your grit and that have built your determination, that have built your ability to be disciplined when things are hard, that have built your ability to show up when things are really ugly or messy or uncertain. Because those are the moments, those are the seasons that you have worked through that reflect who you are now. And also reflect the things that you go after now. And they reflect how you show up now when things are hard and sticky and messy. What's really hard about moving towards start lines and working toward a start line is that you're often going it alone and that it can be really uncertain and the path can be really unclear. And you're so often navigating this from this perspective of like, maybe other people around you don't know what you're going through, or you don't necessarily have someone who's like, here's a plan or here's a template. And I know this is where the internet can be such a great thing where you can look up someone else's plan, like someone else's plan to overcoming infertility, someone else's plan to launching a podcast, someone else's plan to writing a book or going back to school or starting your business or whatever the thing might be, running a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon. I was watching something the other day, Sarah Blakely, who's the founder, the creator, founder of Spanx. So no, no matter what you think of Spanx as a product, that's not the point of the story. But she was talking about founding Spanx. And she talked about how she did it 
like in complete solitude for a year without talking to anyone about it because she didn't want anyone's input. She was like, I don't want the naysayers or anyone to say like, oh, I don't know if that could work. Or do the, does the world really need that? She's like, I didn't think I could handle that input. So she just built it like in silence for a year in her apartment and didn't tell a soul what she was doing until it the business had some legs to it. And once it had some legs, then she started talking about it a little bit more. And now this is like a multi-billion dollar company. She sold it like a year, year and a half ago for multiple billions of dollars. It continues to be like ridiculously successful. It's, I mean, in terms of what that's done for her legacy and where it's positioned her in terms of, you know, some of the most creative, innovative women in the world is just really incredible. Her story is such an incredible story to watch. Again, no matter what you think of Spanx as a product, because I know there's a whole nother conversation around that. And when she was talking about this part about like, I didn't tell anyone for that first year, I was like, oh my God, like that was working to the start line. You were working toward that start line of launching this product into the world and not telling a damn soul what you were doing because you knew you were smart enough to know that there'd be people who would say things that would maybe get in your head and maybe crush your ambition or your dreams or your grit. And so you were smart enough to know not to do that. And I think a lot of us do this. This is a self-preservation thing. We're like, well, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to try this out and see how it works out before like, I share with people what I'm doing, which can be really smart and can be a reasonable level of protection for sure. But when we're doing things in that vacuum, things can get really dicey. There, things can get really scary. When I was out swimming in my wetsuit a couple of weeks ago and I could not breathe, I was like, maybe I just shouldn't do this. Like, what is this going to feel like when I'm actually in a race and I'm feeling breathless? Um, The other piece of this is I take medication and for anxiety that can make me feel a little bit dizzy. And so when I couldn't breathe in my wetsuit and I just felt like the waves were kind of, and I mean, the waves were like gentle lapping waves, by the way, (laughs) like not ocean waves, but I felt, I was like, oh my gosh, like what if I start to get vertigo in the water, which could very likely happen in the race because it will just be a kind of a chaotic environment. And that can, even under the best of circumstances in a triathlon, you can kind of lose sight of which way is up when you're in the water. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I shouldn't do it. So when you're in those vacuums, those moments where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work out, you think, why bother? No one will know if I don't even get to the start line because I haven't told anyone about it. So it's fine. I don't even need to do it. And we have to work through that. We have to work through that. We have to decide, like, is the risk worth it? Is the fear of failure worth it? And we have to decide what we're going to do with that. So what does this all mean? What does it mean if you can look at the times that you have gotten to start lines and you can give yourself some credit for that? And you can give yourself credit for what you do when you are alone and quiet and how you push yourself and make decisions to get to start lines without people celebrating you. Because it's... The fun part is when you are past the start line and you're in it and people can see you going and they're like, oh my God, you're amazing and you got it. And then you get to the finish line and people are like, oh my God, that was so awesome. It was so cool to see you do that. That's the fun part, right? I know for me with the podcast, the hardest part of it, and people ask me this all the time. So the podcast now has 670 episodes. We are at about six and a half years in approaching 5 million downloads. And people ask me like, is it hard to keep going? It's not hard to keep going. You know when it was hard? When it was really, really hard? The first 12 episodes that I recorded in my office before releasing any of them to the world. That was the hardest part. It has not been hard to do the remaining 658 episodes. The first 12, those were hard. 
Those were hard and they were scary because I was doing it alone and no one had told me yet, like, wow, this is really great. The world needs this. I was just doing it alone, like hoping, I hope someone tells me this is great and the world needs this. And what if that's not what happens? That was the really hard part. The first 12 episodes, that was the start line. So what does this all mean? The first thing it means is that you deserve to give yourself credit for putting in all the work to get to the start line. So I want you to really think about this as you process this episode later today, and maybe you listen to it again in the coming days. I want you to really think about giving yourself credit for the work that you've done to get to various start lines in your life. The things that you do and the decisions that you make in quiet solitude and isolation, they matter. And sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for those quiet decisions. Those decisions matter in a really big way. The next thing this means is that you have a ridiculous amount of mental grit and fortitude and tenacity that you have harnessed repeatedly in your life to get to various start lines. How are you owning, embracing, and honoring that grit and fortitude and tenacity every single day, knowing that that is a part of who you are? Because it is. And then thirdly, what does this mean for how you communicate with other people when you see them at a start line. Of course, I want us to continue to celebrate one another at finish lines. Of course, of course, of course. But where are you seeing people at a start line and telling them that you believe in them? I would love it if we could make a little deal, a little pinky swear that we will rock around our army of many, many, many shameless moms who listen to this show. And we will be an army of women who cheer for one another at the start line. We do not wait until we see someone complete something to cheer for them. We tell them from the jump, from the moment they tell us their ideas, their dreams, their goals. I believe in you. The world needs you. The world needs your gifts. You can do this. I can't wait to see you do this. The world needs more of you. And I can't wait to see you shine. So I want to celebrate you being at whatever start line you're at right now and whatever start lines you might be considering approaching. Maybe you're like me and you had some things where you were like, maybe I'll do that thing in 2023. And now you're like, hmm, maybe I could do it in 2022. I would love to hear from you and hear what start lines you're approaching, what start lines you're at. And I am celebrating you. I believe in you deeply. I believe in your gifts. I believe in your talents. I believe so strongly that the world needs more of you. And I cannot wait to hear about your start lines because I know that for every single start line that you get to, you only increase your grit, your fortitude, your tenacity, your strength, your beauty, your contributions to the world, your contributions to yourself, the way that you're evolving and growing and becoming every damn day. And that matters so, so much. So cheers to your start lines. I will see you at the finish line of my triathlon in September if all goes according to plan. And even if it doesn't, I'm really proud of how far I've come just in the last month or so since deciding to do this um, in terms of the work that I've put into it. It's been a lot of work and a lot of little mental gymnastics, and I feel really good about it. And I appreciate you all listening to me share today. So share this episode with those mamas you know who are approaching start lines or who are at a start line to give them a little inspiration. And I will be back here on Wednesday with a fantastic interview.
thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.